hear from the first letter of John, a reflection on how we manifest God's love in the world. Let us open our hearts and stretch our imaginations to hear what this ancient letter has to say to us today. Dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us who are followers of Christ. God has sent their only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God but that God loved us and sent their son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us and God's love is made perfect in us. This is how we know we remain in God and God remains in us because God has given us a measure of their spirit. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God in spirit, for the word of God among us, thanks be to God. Um, thank you for having us here. Um, Quran in its 60th uh, chapter and eighth sentence of that chapter um, says the following. A'udhu billahi minash rajim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim La yanhaakumullahu anilladheena lam yuqatilukum fiddini wa lam yukhrijukum min diyarikum an tabarruhum wa tuqsitu ilayhim inna allaha yuhibbul muqsitin sadaqallahul azim so in translation from Surah Al-Mumtahina, Allah does not forbid you from being good to those who have not fought you on account of your religion or driven you from your homes or from being just towards them. Allah loves those who are just. Amen. So just a word about these two wonderful women that you just heard from and are gonna hear from again. How many of you were here at the end of March? And we had a big dinner here in this space on March 25th. It was the first time we'd had a dinner like that since the pandemic began. began. And it was all because, largely because of these two women and their friends. 
have been trying for three years to have this dinner in this space. And they finally came. It was an iftar dinner. And for those of you who don't know, uh, you can go back to the blog this week. But iftar is when you break the fast after a day of fasting from sunup to sundown in the holy month of Ramadan, which rotates during the calendar year, during the seasons. And we had the great blessing of hosting that dinner here. And we had not only a, a wonderful explanation about Ramadan and its meaning, we had a fashion show of all the children and youth of different uh, celebratory outfits from around the world, from Islamic cultures around the world. We also had a panel discussion of four, really five different perspectives on Islam that was very elucidating. And actually our Muslim friends went out there and prayed at the appointed time uh, as part of their daily prayers. And we also had amazing Pakistani food, right, from Framingham that was toned down just enough for a general audience so that it wasn't too spicy. It was an amazing uh, event. We had uh, 12 different houses of faith represented. Our state rep, who was our first speaker in this series, Tommy Vitolo, was here. We had some of the Brookline police. It was a great evening. As most of you know, this summer has been about getting to know our neighbors. Jesus said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. The first is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And we've been leaning into that with all our guests this summer, and we have more to come. I've gotten to know these two women, Rana and Faiza, uh, from their first Iftar dinner six years ago, which, which was at First Parish Unitarian Universalist up on Walnut Street. And I was so excited to meet them and to be a part of that event that I invited them to become a part of the Brookline Interfaith Clergy. And even though technically they are not clergy, they have been full participants in this group. And they have given us a great window onto the world of Islam and as it lives and breathes among us, among our neighbors. They've also been unfailingly gracious, uh, generous, honest, and open. And it's been a great gift of friendship. There are others of you here who know them because there is a group in Brookline called Daughters of Abraham, which is a reading and discussion group of people representing the three Abrahamic faiths, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Some of you are members of that group and have gotten to know Faiza and Rana that way. So I asked them if they would come today and share a little bit about their lives and their neighborliness. And you'll see we printed in the order some of the points that Muhammad gave about how to be a good neighbor, which you may want to follow along. And there's some take home questions. Please welcome again, Rana Mumtaz and Faiza Khan. Wow, what an introduction, Reverend Kent. Thank you so much. Um, Hello, everyone. Uh, Reverend Kent, thank you again. A little more about background on me. Um, my name is Rana Mamtaz, and we moved to the Boston area, specifically Brighton, about 26 years ago, when my husband started his residency at St. Elizabeth's Medical Center. Um, at that time, we had three kids, and we were looking for a town to settle in, and with a great school system, it was close to the city, and we wanted something that was diverse. Um, it kind of came down to Brookline and Newton, and you know, happily we moved um, into Brookline. And our three children um, are Baker School alums, Brookline High School alums, and are now in college, two of which are in post-grad school, and our daughter is a senior uh, undergrad at Tufts. And um, I've 
Brookline, to me, um, turned into my favorite place to be, uh, even though at times when I first moved here, I still would call Vancouver my home. But I served as a co-PTO president at BHS, and I was involved in other PTO-affiliated activities and roles when our children were in Brookline Public Schools. I tried to make Brookline my community, my home, and they welcomed me with open arms. I also am also teaching third grade religion at ICB Wayland, which is um, our mosque, and I've been there for almost nine years. So thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Rana. Thank you, Reverend Kent. Always grateful, you know, for an opportunity to be here. Uh, amazing congregation, and we love this, this the, you know, all of you, and, and speaking of iftar, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, you know, you, you are, are beacon in so many ways. Thank you. Um, so my name is Faiza Khan, and I moved to Brookline after getting married um, 23 years ago. Uh, it was 2000 that I moved here. My husband loved Brookline, and um, very shortly I fell in love with the place. Um, and I stayed home, even though I was working when I, was, uh, when I got married. I stayed at home with my kids. Um, I had four of them, uh, and, I, and for about 10 years, um, I stayed with them, um, and I helped out with Driscoll, as I know Ms. McConnell is here. Ms. McConnell, yes, hi. So, um, um, and so um, I helped uh, with the PTO and other stuff, and um, it was just like my home. I felt like this is my, um, you know, second home here. And um, after staying home for 10 years, I took on um, math education as my profession. Um, and I taught high school mathematics in a different town. And then um, now I assumed a more administrative role. So my four kids, um, two of them are in college. One of them actually is um, going to be in New York for the next two years. Next one is uh, about 20 years old. He's all the way in Miami enjoying that weather. And then the other, the twins are about to become seniors at the high school. Um, so I, 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 for me, um, I feel like, um, you know, the kids have really enjoyed being here in Brookline. They love it. They keep coming back here. And to me, that's, that's a huge success of Brookline as a town. Um, I have served as the principal and the vice principal of the Sunday school at, uh, at our mosque. And that's in Wayland. And uh, we have uh, a connection with uh, Temple Shir Tikva, uh, which Susan is a part of in, in many, many ways. And Rana can speak more about that later. So, um, off to Rana. So, about six years ago, a um, little after 9 11, our mosque, the Islamic Center of Wayland, uh, we received a hate letter. Um, and as members of our masjid or mosque and our congregation, we, we were taken aback and we were very disturbed. Um, but, you know, we've built incredible relationships with the congregations next to um, our mosque in Wayland with Temple Shir Tikva. We do shared Shabbat. We've done a hosting of the iftar at our mosque. We uh, have Family Promise Metro West, which is um, an organization that helps with homeless in this um, state of Massachusetts. And we convert each of our separate congregations into bedrooms at night. So we do that with Temple Shir Tikva. We do it with the Lutheran Church um, in Wayland. But during that time after the um, 
the hate letter that was sent to us, I guess congregants and just family members in our mosque, we decided that we, we need to build stronger bonds with our communities in our towns. And to achieve that, we needed first to get to know each other. Um, and, and we formed a small group called the Brookline Muslim Friends, which is basically 12 to 18 families that live in the town of Brookline. And we got together um, to build relationships across our town and to introduce ourselves as your normal, loving Muslim neighbor. So thank you, Rana. Um, so Brookline Muslim Friends is an informal group. Um, what we do, we welcome anybody and everybody who is, a, who is a Muslim to be a part of it. And then a certain part of that group um, hosts the iftar that Reverend Kent um, spoke so highly of. And so, um, you know, we, we as Muslims um, all over the world, we believe in one God. Um, and we believe that Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was the last messenger. We do believe in Jesus Christ. We do believe in Moses. Um, and uh, when it comes to neighborly relations, Islam promotes um, healthy relations with our neighbors, all neighbors. And in one Quranic verse, which I read before and Rana read the translation of, um, we know that um, Allah does not forbid us from being good to those who have not fought us on account of our religion or have driven us out of our homes and, and Allah likes just people. So, um, and, and I read in the, in the prayers and in the worship and Reverend Kent talked about justice uh, because in the end, uh, that's what it matters to us as people. So Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam modeled the relationship that we shall maintain with our neighbors because he was a human being. Um, and what better way than to model it? So according to the book of Hadith, Hadith, hadith are basically uh, what he said. So the book of sayings, he said, a man is really good if his neighbors regard him as such, and he's bad if they consider him so. He also said at another time, that man is not from me who sleeps contentedly while his neighbor sleeps hungry. And, an, and, another, and at another occasion, he said, Gabriel, the angel who brought Allah's words to Prophet Muhammad, angel, uh, continued to advise me to treat neighbors well until I thought he would make them my hires. Um, so that means that Allah wants us to take excellent care of our neighbors, so, so much so as if they are closely related to us by blood. Thank you, Faiza. Um, in a saying of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and you notice when we say our Prophet's name, we give a we give, um, it's a durood, it's um, blessings to him. So we always say either in English, peace be upon him, or in Arabic, we say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The essential principles of neighborhood relations are as follows. And in, in the booklet that Reverend Kent so kindly printed out, he has listed those eight relations, and they're pretty simple. Um, one, to give when they ask to borrow something. Two, to run to their help when they need it. Three, to help them when they have financial problems. You know, sometimes you get stuck in whatever, what, whatever may come, you can help. Four, to share their sadness and happiness. 
five to offer some home-cooked meals if it's smelt by the neighbors, <laughs> which I love when some of my neighbors cook and they drop stuff off. Six, not to carry out any construction without obtaining their consent first. Seven, to visit them when they are sick. And eight, to attend their funeral when they pass away. I mean, they seem very, very simple and very simple moral values. So um, for us, being a good neighbor also means accepting, supporting, and being, them, being there for each other through good times and bad. And most of my Daughters of Abraham friends who come once a month, we meet at my home now, um, and we used to meet at Faiza's. Um, you know, my, it's a blessing, you know. My, um, they know my neighbors, and, and it's just living there. Um, we've been there almost 20 years now. And I help any which way I can um, without, making it, without making it very obvious. You know, we had a couple of my neighbors their families had um, breast cancer, a brain tumor, and whenever I cooked, I would just drop it off, anything extra. Um, and, and reversing, they would help me as well. During the month of Ramadan, if I was at the mosque praying, um, I would say, do you mind, Jan, just bringing the two that are home so they can do the taravi, the late night prayers. Um, and it's been an amazing neighborhood. I love where I live. I love my town. And I realize that simple things we do for each other, it creates incredible harmony and peace in my neighborhood. Um, and some of my friends also know, sadly, that I have um, a very unpleasant neighbor who is very challenging and unaccepting of Islam. Um, and we figured that out. About three years ago, we held an iftar at our home, and the women prayed inside, and the men prayed outside. And he realized, oh, geez, they're Muslim. So it's always been, for the past three years, poke, 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 in every way possible. And um, please keep us in your prayers. So he realizes that we are just normal human beings who believe in Islam and are just, just like you. So. Um, you know, we went one step further. We decided to do iftars in congregations. You know, come, come, come know me. You know, get to know me and know my religion. And hopefully you will understand that we are just like you. Thank you, Rana. So um, Rana's example of uh, holding iftars and what Reverend Kent talked about is what we actually, it, it really is um, the highlight of our year. Uh, we look forward to it. We plan for it. And um, we like doing it at different congregations. Um, and uh, it started from United Parish, uh, then it went to TBZ, Temple TBZ, and then it's here, and then let's see where it takes us. Yes, Church of Christ, uh, which is, uh, you know, um, Candace's uh, church. We held it there during COVID times. She was gracious enough to offer us that. So we have been very, we have felt very welcomed by many congregations and we appreciate it. Um, because for us, it's just a way of getting to know our neighbors and them getting to know us. Um, so Muslims are basically uh, your regular neighbors who just want to be your friends, regardless of their friend's faith. Because we believe that your faith is for yourself and my faith is for myself, but our neighborly relations are for each other they are much more impactful. So we wish our neighbors uh, knew that we are sincere and we are contributing members of the community. Um, one thing that uh, at times bothers us um, is that we have a few misconceptions out there. 
One common misconception about Islam is that it emphasizes jihad. So to clarify, the word jihad means struggle or fight. The popular belief out there is that the most um, important jihad is that we are invading countries or we are bothering people or we are displacing people. That's not the true meaning of jihad. The word jihad just means struggle. And the most important jihad, according to Prophet Muhammad, is the jihad that you do against yourself. So for example, our first prayer in the morning is at 4.30 nowadays. Who wants to wake up at 4.30 in the morning? I surely struggle with that. So that's a jihad on my own self saying, no, this is the way to do it. I'm going to wake up. It's, you know, uh, um, you know, it's earlier I rise, the more awake I'll be, the fresher I'll feel, and more of God's blessings I'll enjoy. So those are the little pieces uh, that we wish people knew more about us, especially in terms of jihad, that it's about the internal struggle against oneself. And so, for example, like Reverend Kent talked about and mentioned about, um, you know, how did we basically, um, you know, contain ourselves from not saying um, something that was uh, un unpleasant to someone or something that might bother someone. So that's basically jihad. Um, another misconception is that Islam devalues the role and place of women in Islam and that hijab the head covering is a symbol of suppression. That's actually not true because Islam, on the contrary, has given a lot of respect to women. It's the first religion that gave inheritance rights to women. So basically, it's in the Quran uh, that we inherit money from our father, from our brother, from our mother, any relation. Islam does not leave women out. Um, and hijab uh, is like any other head covering worn by women of several faiths, including Christianity and Judaism. Hijab is worn by many Muslim women all around the world out of their will and for various reasons. Rana and I do not wear hijab, but we do cover our head when we are reading Quran. Um, also, lately I dug deeper into this concept of hijab, and it was pre-Islam that in Arab, uh, where Jews were living, Christians were living, they used to cover their head. And in Quran, all it says is that women are suggested that they cover their head. And so it, there is no such thing that you have to cover completely or your you know, hair should not show and whatnot. So it is a matter of context and it's a matter of looking deeper into uh, the books. And sadly, the third misconception is that Muslims do not respect other religions, which is, again, not true. Our religion is based on Judaism and Christianity, and the Quran mentions Moses and Jesus and their stories repeatedly. In fact, in Quran, there's only one woman talked about, mentioned with the name, and that's Mary, that's Miriam. So we have a lot of respect for other religions, especially the, from the books of faith. Um, and um, most according to the Quran, Muslims must accept these two faiths and the others who have received God's books in order to believe in Islam. So basically, we are not Muslims if we don't believe in Jesus Christ and if we don't believe in Moses. Um, in Surah 29, which is chapter 29, 
Sentence number 46, Quran says, and dispute not with the people of book, except which means better than mere disputation, unless it be with those of them who inflict wrong and injury, meaning that we shall not be disputing with Jews and Christians over what is in their book. Um, so Faiza and I are extremely grateful for this opportunity to express what being a good neighbor means to us. As Muslims and strong community members, we would like to also acknowledge that by our religion as other members, and we would also like to be acknowledged by our religion as other members in our town are. For example, during the month of Ramadan, which um, I believe is the most important and the highlight month of our, um, of our religion, um, we, we would love to be able to stay in our town and go sh grocery shopping or go and get things that we need without having to go far away. For example, in the month I go, I sometimes go shopping at Dedham and um, the stop and shop had a separate aisle and it said Ramadan Mubarak and then I just instantly went there and everything that I needed to have an iftar or to have suhoor, which is the breakfast or the meal that we have before we make our intention to fast, everything was present. Sadly, in Brookline, there isn't anything like that. We still have to go to various other stores, other ethnic Muslim stores, to be able to buy um, things that we need for that um, holy month. Also, I guess Faiza and I, um, both of our kids, at least all my kids, um, when it was Eid, which is our, our holiday after fasting, um, our kids weren't able to go pray. They weren't able to enjoy that holiday because they were in school, at the high school, and they were afraid of missing classes, especially you know, junior year, senior year, AP classes. It was hard. Um, it would be nice if Eid, Eid al-Fitr, which is celebrated after Ramadan, would be a Category 1 holiday, um, as uh, Christmas is or as... Uh, Yom Kippur is, or Rosh Hashanah are. You know, those days are a holiday across the town for schools so families can be together and um, celebrate their uh, religious holidays. Um, you know, and we've made small steps forward. We're not saying we haven't, and the schools have as well. You know, they provide separate rooms for kids who are fasting. They provide areas for them to pray. Uh, and acknowledge that you know there are Muslim students in schools who would like to be uh, given the opportunity to follow their faith and their religion even though they're attending school. So that's important. Um, and we're hoping that Brookline will go one step further. You know, we'll make, make Islam and practicing Muslims feel welcome and acknowledged uh, while they live in this community. So. Basically, our, I mean, both of us feel our religion and our culture are our, our identity, and we want to share that with you as Brookline neighbors. So thank you. <laughs> I know that was a lot. <laughs> thank you, Reverend Ken. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.